Nation, what is cracking? I hope everybody's having a good day. It's Saturday. It's the best day of the week. This is episode three of the Weekly Fire. I'm Bryce Paul. I am here joined by my most trusted compadre, my spark, my candle in the moonlight, my wood-fired pizza mind. How the hell are you doing? I am sufficiently creeped out, but thank you for that very warm introduction. Crypt Nation, welcome back to the third episode of the Weekly Fire. My first hot tip is to get yourself a great wingman like Bryce, who always has the most endearing ways of introducing me to the rest of the unsuspecting world. Let me start out by saying that we are all sorts of riled up for episode three because we're going to be covering the hottest headlines, crypto's burning and sometimes existential questions, and we're going to be bringing you some heated debates. Pete, you know, I just come from the school of thought where you just really have to appreciate what you have in the here and now because you never really know when it could all be gone, right? I mean, that goes for friends, family, a delicious meal, whatever, a stunning view, or as we both know a little too intimately, profits made in the market. And hear you me, profits fly away faster than a toupee in a hurricane. Faster than the medium pizza at the all-you-can-eat lunch buffet bar when I sit down. Here at Crypto 101, our mission is to keep us all on the right side of the market, keep everybody informative events unfolding in our space in real time, and build a community of crusaders that are driven to regain control from the powers that be. That is freaking right. And that mission is what got us to really start the weekly fire, right? I remember thinking, you know, we were tossing back ideas. We're like, yo, how can we deliver more value to Crypt Nation, but like keep it super fresh and throw in a new kind of form factor, right? How can we share our life experiences, impart a small little bit of wisdom in a way that's relevant and entertaining and like no freaking bullshit, right? So, you know, the other thing we were thinking was like, what can we do to learn from the past and then focus on the present and prepare everybody for a better future how can we push ourselves how can we push our community just to make the world a better place and i feel like that all starts with crypto 101 and the weekly fire yeah i definitely agree you know on crypto 101 we really try and make it all about the guests and the information but over here there's a lot of stories to be told as well there's a lot more learning that can be done in a different format so the weekly fire is going to be very informative and educational but completely different so that's what uh, the weekly fire is all about. Bryce, tell us what's burning. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh my gosh. There's a lot burning. The price of Bitcoin is one thing that's on fire recently. Um, no, the price of Bitcoin's bounced. All right. So I'm, I got the chart pulled up here. We're still in a long-term uptrend. I mean, since the beginning of the year, um, we're continuing to make higher highs. Uh, we've defended this 10K support level. Um, we've got some lows that were uh, July 16th, uh, July 29th, uh, lows of about 9K. Those haven't been tested yet. Um, and we're seeing the market rebound pretty hard here uh, today. So I'm feeling pretty good overall. Um, you know, it's again, like the thing about the market is it's always transferring the wealth from the impatient to the patient, right? And so when you see these really wide ranging candles, right, a candlestick being um, a, a unit that measures, uh, you know, price in a given sort of time. So if you're looking at, for instance, a daily chart, you get daily candles. If you're looking at a four hour chart, you get four hour candles, that kind of thing. So when you see these really 
wide ranging candles, you know, 10% in a day, um, that's typically a signal that the market is overreacting. And so what happens when a market overreacts, right? A big piece of news comes out that, oh, Bitcoin's banned in China, or, you know, they're, you know, the FBI's cracking down on whatever Coinbase, like if that ever happened, like it would cause a big panic, right? And so, so price is just the perception of value. It's not actually reflective of the true value, right? Because the true value of Bitcoin isn't actually fluctuating 10% in a day, but the prices. So there's like this uh, discrepancy or this arbitrage of perception that could actually happen. So when you have market reactions, like we've experienced, uh, you know, like Bitcoin experiences all the time, but the actual real market is also experiencing similar things around here uh, recently where we see, you know, two, 3% drops a day. Um, so it's very volatile environment. And so something that here at Crypto 101 that we want to tell you guys is like, it's not necessarily, oh, the market or Bitcoin is going to be this price at this date. That's not what we do. We just tell you, um, you know, when when markets are super hot and that if a market's super hot, maybe it's a good time to uh, to take some money off the table. Right. Or the market is really, really depressed. Um, maybe it's a good time to start dollar cost averaging in. And, you know, we'll, we'll dive into what dollar cost averaging is uh, maybe in another episode or something. But kind of for the point being right now, I mean, we, we saw our intraday Bitcoin chart, our four hour chart hit the lowest uh, level on the relative strength index it has this entire year. So that's a pretty significant uh, thing to be paying attention to. Right. So what does that mean? It means the RSI or the relative strength measures the rate of change for the price of any given asset over any given period. So the standard RSI is like a 14 day smoothed average. And so we saw that bought almost bottom out like it went so far down which basically just means that the market is selling an asset at a value that is relatively really really low compared to what it has been in the past 14 days i think the smart money finds these opportunities where there's these really wide spreads um you know one two three percent spreads meaning there's people that are just jamming the sell button market sell market sell um and that often ends up uh, in the hands of patient people so not to make uh, this too long of a segment, but you know, just just don't panic and don't FOMO, right? Don't think, oh my God, the market is going up. It just passed, you know, it's all time high. You know, there's going to be pullbacks. You just got to be patient. Just take a deep breath. Don't get too emotional. Have a plan. Trade your plan. That was incredibly insightful. I I learned a lot just from listening to you, and I'm definitely guilty of being impatient and hitting market buy and market sell from time to time. I watch the one minute candles and try and quickly make a trade to make 10, 20 bucks to pay for my lunch. And I know that's maybe not the smartest investing plan, but I'm a simple guy. I just want a free large pizza at every opportunity I can. In any case, uh, that was our crypto weather report. We're going to be moving now to another segment we call smoke and mirrors. Bryce, let's get in a fight. <laughs> Let's get in a freaking fight, Pizza Mind. You know, me and Pizza Mind, we agree on a lot of things. We're business partners, we're best friends. Um, but there are some things that we don't agree on. Um, so, for instance, today's uh, Smoke and Mirrors segment, we're going to debate proof of work versus proof of stake. Um, so, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> in this fight, uh, I'm going to defend proof of work, Pizza Mind's going to defend proof of stake. But first, what is proof of work? What is proof of stake, right? So proof of work is the way that um, certain coins come to agreement about what's going on in the network. So Bitcoin, for instance, use proof of work. Um, you have these Bitcoin miners, right? These super high energy um, 
in energy intensive uh, computational things, right? Whether they're GPUs or CPUs or ASICs, application specific integrated circuitry that only does one thing. In this case, for proof of work, uh, is doing the SHA-256 hashing algorithm in order to solve these cryptographic puzzles. Once you find the answer to that puzzle, you announce it to the entire group, to, to all the miners. And yeah, basically they could all check like, yeah, you found the right answer. It's a really, really hard puzzle to solve, but it's a really, 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 really simple puzzle to verify. Proof of work is the original thing. It's a way that you can't spam the network. Um, so nobody could just broadcast any one little uh, transaction that it, it is fake. That's proof of work. Proof of work was great at first, but it's gotten to the point where it is just a ridiculous waste of resources and waste of money trying to set up these warehouses just to do this stuff when it's not necessary. So there's a concept called proof of stake that says if you already hold a certain amount of tokens, you are automatically going to act in the best interest of the value of those tokens. So you can run a normal node on any computer. You don't need any kind of specialized hardware. It's not going to be energy intensive. You can run it on a laptop, in some cases, even a phone. And by putting the tokens you own into that node saying, I agree at the risk of my tokens that the information that I'm confirming is true. And as a reward for that, you get a little bit of interest anytime that you mine a block. So it's way more energy efficient. And while it hasn't been proven over time, the barrier to entry for a proof of stake is a lot less. You know, that's a good point. And I know uh, Ethereum, which is the number two coin, right? Uh, Ethereum is currently under a proof of work system. But bro, they take your side of the debate. They say they're going to have proof of stake done uh, within two years. So they're going to actually rewrite their entire protocol. And they're in the process of writing ETH 2.0, ETH Serenity um, there's, is what it's dubbed. And so, so they, they also think that proof of stake is good. But, you know, the, the true Bitcoiners say, hey, you know, what, one thing that's so powerful about the idea of Bitcoin is that it turns raw energy raw electricity into into money right it's a lot harder to attack a blockchain because you need to acquire all this hardware to direct all that electricity and compute towards whereas proof of stake it's much easier to go and acquire you know half the supply uh, of something i think decred does a good job of combining proof of work and proof of stake there's a couple coins that are, are pretty innovative in that stuff but as for proof of work right like you've got Bitcoin, which is SHA-256. You got Litecoin, which is doing script mining. So, right. So if you have a Litecoin miner, you can't mine Bitcoin as well. Those are two different, uh, different algorithms, right? So you could only do one at a time. You know, there's Zcash, there's Monero. Um, I think Dogecoin is proof of work, but Dogecoin is also on script. So a Litecoin miner could also mine Doge. So there's all sorts of different things that you need to think about like that. Um, but kind of at the end of the day, uh, I, I'm in the proof of work camp because it's been tested. It's been proven. Yeah, that's my, that's my take. Those are all really good points. And I can't say you're wrong about anything. However, a lot of that has to do with the top coins who that have been around for 10 years, eight years, six years, something like that. But if you're a new coin, just starting out, it is very often that you are 51% attacked and absolutely crushed. Any great idea that's coming onto the market now has slim to no chance of surviving in a proof of work situation 
because there are other miners out there with huge rigs that are more than happy to just crush the competition that might be coming in to take out the coin that they've already been mining. So with proof of stake, there's no direct competition with other coins. In fact, there's a lot of top coins that use this system, such as Pivx, VeChain, Neo, Navcoin, Lisk, Cardano. The list goes on and on of all these top next generation platforms that have moved to proof of stake. And I think just like I said before, the barrier to entry is a lot less. So I could have one good computer that could very terribly mine Bitcoin or Litecoin, but I could run five different network nodes with proof of stake on one of these machines, giving me as a miner a much, much better return for much less costs. So if we're really all about mass adoption, which is really the better system? I mean, truthfully, yeah, proof of work has that uh, longevity and security, but you'd have to 51% attack a proof of stake network the same way, which is a lot of tokens to buy up. And at the, at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself if you act uh, a fool of it. So I don't know what's really better. I guess we'll find out. Maybe Decred has the right answer. You know, I, I totally agree. And if you, it, you know, the small coins that are starting out, um, <laughs> like the worst thing you could possibly do as a small coin starting out is start with SHA-256 as your hashing algorithm to secure your network. Why is that? It's because all it would take is one person who controls a few percentage points of the Bitcoin mining network to redirect their hash power at your little SHA-256 chain, and they could rewrite the whole chain. They could do whatever. They could have their way with it. Okay, so the worst thing you could do as a new coin is, you know, start as a competitor to Bitcoin, essentially. Um, so there's different ways to go about it. But th there's one interesting thing also that I want to point out is that there's this semi-new concept coming out called merge mining. Highly recommend you guys all to get into it. Hopefully, we could dive into it uh, in a later episode. But merge mining at a high level is basically saying, you know, we're going to be a crypto coin, but we're going to leverage the proof of work of a different coin, namely Bitcoin, right? So you'll get the security of um, the Bitcoin network, but with your own token. Komodo does it. Um, I know Veriblock does it. They facilitate that kind of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that are going around there. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, proof of work versus proof of stake. Reply in, uh, in in tweets and comments and get your ideas out there. What do you what do you guys think? So that's your opinion. That's my opinion. Crusaders, what do you think? Let Crypt Nation know which one's really the best. For now, we're going to move on to our next segment. Hot or not. Hot or not. This is, again, where we talk about uh, the price action for the last week of super hot coins and super not coins. So I'll get it started with the hot. Uh, so Kin, KinCoin, uh, this is, if you guys have ever used the messaging platform called Kick, they have uh, released a cryptocurrency called Kin. They did it uh, late 2017. This is a pretty cool project, but they're also embattled uh, with the SEC. And they're actually trying to take the SEC to like the Supreme Court saying that they like screwed them over a bunch of times and gave them really bad direction. And SEC is going back or throwing shit over the fence to one another. But uh, Kin gets the last laugh today as they've uh, – this week they had about 80% uh, uptick in price. 
and on you know several tens of millions of dollars. So you know it's again all these markets are pretty small, but that's a pretty big move, um, showing strength on the back of its battles with the SEC. So maybe some insiders know something that we don't know. Um, who knows? But also take into context, this is also Kin being down like ninety five percent from the highs. So 95% from the highs down, you're going to need a lot of 80% weeks to get back up there. Um, but we also have another coin called Dusk. Uh, Dusk is up 58% this week, Dusk Network. Um, 58% this week is pretty good. It's showing a lot of strength on the back of a new exchange listing called Switchio. I really like Switchio. I've used it a couple times. It's a decentralized exchange. You have to connect your MetaMask or your Ledger, your Trezor wallet to it. Highly recommend you guys check that out. And then we have a BRD token uh, or Bread Wallet. They're up 25% this week. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think that they have some marketing things that they're planning. Um, and it's just fundamentally a really strong token. Uh, so yeah, up 25% this week. Good company. And But Pizza, why, pizza Mind, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's not so hot? Before I jump on that, I just want to say I love shit coins. And just for the reason that they can rebound the way Kin and Dusk did, Kin absolutely took a beating. Dusk Network was listed on Binance a couple weeks ago and was absolutely slaughtered. So what goes down must come back up in the world of shitcoins so long as they're not actually uh, exiting, which is a big fear for Kin because 80% up is a lot. That, whew, we'll see. And uh, yeah, I think BRD does have uh, some marketing stuff going on. I know they made a big showing over at a Futurist Conference in Toronto recently as well. Can't wait to hear what they're up to. As far as the coins that are shitting the bed right now and could potentially be a good buying opportunity if you're a lunatic like me, Red Pulse Phoenix, down 50%. Who knows why? FTX Token, down 18.9%. They completed some buybacks and burns recently and ran the price up really high last week, and now it's starting to correct itself. Not a big deal. U Network, which we talked about last week, was which was a big winner. This week it's correcting as well, down 60%. Ouch. Yeah, so the, really the point of this segment, I mean, we just want to show you that this is a highly volatile market where this week's biggest winner oftentimes is next week's biggest loser. So it's important, guys. You need to be taking profits when the market allows it. Okay? I'll repeat that. Take profits when the market allows it. Basically, I'm saying if everybody is buying and they're all euphoric and the media is saying buy, 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 and your buddy, uh, he, he hasn't texted you in years. Your buddy texts you. He's like, hey, man, I heard about Ripple Coin and Litecoin. You know, what's the deal? Okay, boom. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
right when you get that text, log into your exchange and sell everything you have. You need to be selling because the mass market is in, right? Everybody who hasn't heard of crypto is in. uh, And so who is left to buy, right? You got to think like that. So don't go with the crowd. Value is very scarce and you want to be the 1% or Pareto's principle, right? That's another thing that we've talked about in the past. Pareto's principle, the 80% versus the 20%. Crypt Nation, you guys are the 20%. And I'll even go as far as saying you guys are the 1%, right? So don't go with the crowd when everybody is screaming that, you know, this is the best thing in the world. This is mania. Just take a little bit of profits off the table. And take as much profit as possible. Just use your trailing stop losses, go up as far as it can go. And then immediately when it starts to come back down, you sell off. That's the best way to maximize your opportunities. This next segment is called Scorched Earth. And we're going to be talking about tragedies from our own experiences here in crypto, because no matter how smart or how educated you are, you're going to get burned from time to time. It's just the cost of doing business. So I I said my horror story last week uh, when I you know, tried to get a little fancy, invest in ICO, and it all went to zero. Um, But you have a pretty interesting uh, story today, the woes of all your airdrops that you've experienced. So so what's that all about, the woes of the airdrops? So as someone who's grown up broke, I always am trying to be clever and get something for free and get the maximum value for my money. So there was a point in time, sometime I think in early 2018, where a bunch of stuff lined up. Like Monero was doing hard forks and there were other different versions of Monero coming out at the same time. So I had to immediately like dump all my money into Monero real quick to beat the snapshot to qualify for all these other Moneros that were coming out. And then right after that, there was another Bitcoin fork called Bitcore. So I had to quickly juggle all my money into that and qualify for Bitcore. And they were going to airdrop like 7% a month for like the next three months or something like that. So I had to leave my money in Bitcoin, but then I also wanted to get in the Genesis snapshot for EOS and get all the tokens they were going to airdrop. So I'm shuffling all my money around and moving it around as the market's falling. And for like four months, I had like thousands of dollars in this fork called Bitcoin, which at its peak was like $23. And then I held it all the way down to like seven and I've, I didn't even sell all of it off. Like I sold most of it off. But then I kept thinking, oh, it's going to come back. Like they're doing ATMs and all this other cool stuff. And I really like the people on the project. I believe in investing in people. And then right now it's like 30 cents. So I was like, damn, for all the extra tokens I got and tried to hold on to, I lost thousands of dollars when I should have just left it. it well, in stable coins in hindsight. But I tried to get really clever and just fucked myself over really bad. Bless your heart, man. Bless your heart. Uh, I don't know what to say, man. I just feel for you. That's that's a tough one. I feel like a lot of people probably in the audience could relate to that. So let's go into uh, our favorite fire tweets of the week. And this is personally my favorite segment uh, just because I love giving love to people in the space that are putting out other good content. And for me this week, okay, so I'm like a fanboy apparently of this guy or girl named Rhythm Trader at rhythm trader he came out of nowhere in my feed like i don't know one day i just saw like this tweet uh and then all of a sudden he's everywhere so i have two tweets from him today and i don't know how he comes up with this stuff but it's just awesome so all right so here's the first one quote one of the largest banks 
HSBC literally admitted to laundering billions of dollars for Colombian and Mexican drug cartels. They were fined $1.9 billion. Seem like a lot? Well, the banks make that in five weeks. We've warned Bitcoin is used by criminals, but it's actually our best tool against them. So that probably sounds pretty familiar to the one that we talked about last week, but it's so true, right? Everybody's talking about how Bitcoin is, you know, bad and only bad people use it and there's too much anonymity and all this stuff. But guys, you don't understand that banks have been doing crazy shitty things to the world for so long and it's time that we take back control. I mean, that you don't have it. Nobody nobody has viewership into their back office. Nobody knows their accounting methods. They're just doing this under under the guise of, oh, well, we're the Bank of America. We're First National Bank. Bullshit. You're not bank. You're not the Bank of America. You're a bank that happens to be making money off of people in America. That's all it is. It's not, it's, it's, you're not America's bank. And so like they have all these, Hell yeah. You have all these, right? Like nationalistic terms uh, and, and they provoke such imagery. You know, they provoke such, oh, First National Bank, you're either with us or you're against us. If you're against the banks, then you're against America. And it's like, no, you guys are a private corporation that takes our money and lends it out for profit. And, you know, if we all asked for our money at the same time, what would happen, right? Uh, well, they lend out more than they have. So the banks would collapse and they would default on their debts. Um, so that's one. So, Which is why Bitcoin was invented as the answer to that in 2008. That's exactly right. The uh, you know the the government bailed out all these failing banks. So this this leads me to my next uh, tweet. That sorry, I'm saying two this week. Uh, I know we say two only this week, but we're gonna do three. I'm gonna do two. Pizza's gonna do one. Um, this is another one by Rhythm Trader, and I swear this is not a Rhythm Trader plug show. Uh, I've never met the guy. Maybe he comes on the show one day. He doesn't sponsor the show or pay us for advertising. We just love this guy. So here, here's this one, right? Uh, so he's saying like, quote, Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme, says the banks. Quote, internet won't scale, says the news providers. Cannabis is addictive, says the pharmaceutical companies. Uber won't catch on, taxi drivers. Airbnb will never work, hotel owners. Cars are dangerous, carriage owners. See a trend? I'm like, dude, that is so fire. That is a fire tweet. Yeah, absolutely. And what it is, is these institutions get comfortable and they become the enemies of innovation. And they should be because it's going to replace them. But that's what they get for sitting back on their heels and not being like IBM and staying at the cutting edge of what's going on in the world. So my fire tweet of the week is completely unrelated to crypto. It is by a guy named Jacob Canfield, who says, I was homeless for two years. I was in war for two years. I am grateful for both experiences as they taught me a lot about myself and what I'm capable of. Finding new ways to be thankful for your darkest moments puts the power of your life back into your own hands. Whoa. And I, th I thought this was just an unbelievable thing because this is a guy who knows what real pain is. And here he is, you know, trading Bitcoin, living his life and as someone who's struggled a lot of with a lot of depression and things myself, like there is a moment in time where you have to make a decision where all the things that get you down become excuses. You, the thoughts in your head say, I can't be happy. I can't be successful because of, 
And you have to change that narrative in your mind to, I can be happy, I can be successful in spite of. And once that narrative changes, the power is back in your hands and you can go forward. Even if those bad feelings don't go away, they no longer stop you. So at Jacob Canfield, thank you for inspiring us this week on Fire Tweets. Dude, that is so encouraging. I love that. Jacob Canfield, whoever you are, man, you fire me up. I love that. Homeless for two years, war for two years, and just thankful. That's pretty nuts. Um, So, I mean, we've kept you guys here. uh, You know, we still have a bunch of news to cover. Why don't we just get into the news? beautiful day it is a beautiful day i hope you guys wherever you are in the world are having a beautiful day i'm having a beautiful day you want to know why because ripple's getting sued that's right (laughs) that's right xrp sec class action lawsuit piz is happy over here because i've been telling you people stay away from it it's bad news he's been been preaching anti-xrp army for years and finally you get your day in the sun so this is not even it's not even my fault Someone else who's been holding XRP started a class action lawsuit and then other people did and other people did and all these lawsuits have combined together and now yeah. it's moved from California state court to federal court. It's going to be big. That's right. So several new arguments have been made in the first federal case to cite the SEC's guidance for security tokens. So this is big and it's a very strong case. Yes. So the four previous complaints that were filed in California state court have been moved and shifted to the federal court now, and for the very first time, Ripple is required to give a legal response to these complaints, and they have until September 19th to do so. That's just fucking nuts, or it's nucking futs. Yeah, so either way... (laughs) You know uh, who else is fucked? Everybody. The Globe. Everybody. Tell us us why you felt like you needed a drink today. So, I felt like I needed a little bit of a drink... Uh, because there's a lot of global uncertainty. And historically, what happens when there's global uncertainty? What do I mean by global uncertainty? I mean, like we talk about a lot, right? The uh, Hong Kong crisis that's unfolding, where now China is you know, starting to flex its control over Hong Kong. And, and Hong Kong is now being, uh, you know, going from a democracy back to communism. So that's going to be weird. And there's a lot of uncertainty going on in Argentina, right? So yeah. basically the point I'm trying to make... Boy, what's going on in Argentina? Well, their currency just got devalued by 25% against the dollar I heard their stock market dropped over yeah. 40% in one day. Exactly. And so Argentina is now collapsing. So Whoa. what happens historically when events like these take place? It's that the capital inflows to... Uh, or the capital flows into safe haven assets. And what's the most safe haven asset? It's U.S. Treasury bonds. What's a U.S. Treasury bond? It's the U.S. issuing a debt instrument uh, that bears or that yields a return for the purchaser. So if I want to buy a U.S. bond, I, I buy it, right? And then in 30 years, I will make all that money back and then some. Um, so, so right like now- a long-term loan to the U.S. government. Right. It's a long- Yeah. Okay. Buying a bond is loaning the U.S. government money. Okay. And so what happened just today is that the 30-year bond, its yield dropped to historically the lowest price it's ever been. So what does that mean? The yield of a bond and the price of a bond are inversely correlated. So when the yield starts to fall, it means that there's more buyers in that market. It means the yield is falling because now everybody's buying that thing. Oh. And so the yield just kind of starts to taper off. And then when nobody's buying it, the yield 
starts to go up because you want to incentivize more people to buy it. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So, 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 so it's like supply and demand. It's, still. it's, it's supply and demand. And so okay. basically at, at a high level, it's, it's, um, this whole trend that's unfolding and we're, I don't really know if this is going to continue. Right. So like low bonds, lo, sorry, low yields and high prices are a risk aversion type type scene. What does uh, that mean? Like, so it, it, when the so risk aversion basically means uncertainty. So people are fleeing from risk on assets. Oh, okay. So risk on assets being stock market, being crypto, being uh, emerging markets, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when you have lo- uh, low yields like we do now and high bond prices, we're in a market that is uncertain and risk averse. Because the U.S. Treasury bond is the safest place to put your money. Right. Historically, there's never been a positive yielding risk-free asset uh, so much like the uh, the United States 30-year treasury bond. Okay. But, and also there's bonds that are issued by certain governments that have negative rates to them. So negative rate basically means that I'll buy or I'll loan you money and then lose money on top of that, which doesn't make any it sense, right? It doesn't make right? any sense. So you'll, you'll have basically a government saying... Okay, I'll issue this debt to you, uh, and then I'll give you back less. So is that just a sign of an unstable government about to collapse? It, it very well could be. It's preceding it, for sure. Wow, but, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be, uh, like, this whole yield curve uh, thing is definitely going to be something that we're going to keep you guys closely informed with. Yeah, there's only one real interesting thing going on, and that is Barclays dumps Coinbase. Yeah, when they made their partnership uh, last year, it was a really big deal because banks hate crypto. Barclays is one of the world's biggest banks. Coinbase is the world's biggest onboarder of cryptocurrency. So when they got together, we thought this was going to be great. But um, Coinbase recently announced they wanted to start adding a lot more coins. And Barclays said, nope, too much risk for us. We're out. So Barclays is only their UK banking partner. Mm -hmm. Or am I mistaken? Uh, well, they have several banks. Okay. It's our only UK banking partner, and then they have another one in Lithuania called like LVH or something like that. Do we know the implications of them losing a banking license? So what... I mean, not a banking license, a banking partner. Yeah, so what it means is uh, people from the UK now have a much harder time going through uh, the system to transfer their money. That's going to take them like five days instead of an instant transfer. Mm-hmm. However, they already have a new UK bank called ClearBank, but... In order to do that, like that bank was really skeptical too, and they had to delist Zcash, which is a privacy coin because the bank was worried about law enforcement troubles. And which is like so that. weird because like Gemini still lists Zcash, and they're like the most regulated, you know, bit license, all that stuff. And Zcash, you could just, I mean, not to get too much in the weeds, but it's opt-in privacy. The Brits are even more conservative. And, oh yeah, with the GDPR so, stuff. Yeah, so. Hmm. Okay, well that'll be an interesting story to follow. Um, We have Alibaba, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, Just today, they registered a new patent for a blockchain name domain service. So, Pizza Mind, you're the expert in blockchain, uh, in domains, and blockchain. So, what's going on? How you have Google.com. That is a domain name. It is a lot easier to type Google.com into the bar than 198.44.66.com. One nine zero or whatever. It's a lot IP easier to memorize is. too. There's yeah. a little bit of a ring to it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, at least an IP address, it it's maybe you can remember. It's kind of the same length as a phone number. Mm-hmm. But when you get into a blockchain address, there's literally no one on the planet that can remember their entire public key. No way. No way. 
So what that is is a translation service that puts a human readable name on your public key. So okay. now instead of having to send ETH oh, to... Oh, you'll be able to send ETH or BTC or LTC or whatever, XMR, just to Bryce.Paul. Right. Or what, okay, exactly. that's pretty cool. Not even .Paul, just Bryce Paul. Damn. Yeah. So, so it's like giving a phone number almost to everybody that all the different phones could text it's, it's giving a name. So wow. this is... That's uh, huge. And it's optional. It's an optional thing because, of course, we still want to retain our privacy. Like, that was what blockchain transactions were for. Yeah. I mean, there was no personal identifiable information attached to these addresses. Hmm. But there's it's evolved to the point now where maybe I don't want my personal address known, but as a business... We want to have a donation address for Crypto 101. Mm -hmm. So now instead of me having to sort through all these different things and send them out to people and hope they can pick a transaction and say, yeah, you can donate to Crypto 101 using Alibaba's blockchain platform. Yeah, when you were... This is... Now that you're explaining it like this, this is bigger than I initially thought. But it's not... Like, this is nothing new. I know. I mean, there's Ethereum. There's Namecoin does this. Eternity does this. Like, a lot of other... Cosmos and Polkadot. Yeah, there's a lot of other name services already out there. But Alibaba could potentially uh, bring it in. The market cap of Alibaba is something like... what? Look it up real... Something like $700 billion or something. Which is bigger than the crypto market entirely. It's a retarded amount. Market cap... $500 $500 billion market cap. So the market cap of Alibaba bigger. is bigger than crypto entirely, which yeah. is a $266 billion market That's cap. crazy. That's nuts, That's dude. crazy. <laughs> so let's just say that the, the market cap of crypto is uh, very undervalued right now. All right, guys, that's news, and that's our show. This was the Weekly Fire, Episode 3. I hope you enjoyed it. Do follow us on Twitter, Crypto101Pod. And Facebook, just search for Crypto 101 and smash that follow button. Guys, we love you. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. And, you know, we've, we've been receiving so much love in the in the Twitter feeds and in email and everybody. So, you know, we're, we're doing this for you guys. We're having a lot of fun. Stick with us. And we got a lot of exciting things planned. We got new shows coming out. Obviously, new episodes uh, with interviews, but actually new show formats we're going to be rolling out. So stay tuned, and we will see you uh, bright and early on Monday for a pretty stellar, uh, pretty kick-ass interview here. That's right. We have the author of Bitcoin Pizza on Monday. Her name is Sam Rad, and her book comes out on Tuesday, August 20th, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. Bitcoin Pizza coming out Monday. Thanks for tuning in, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.